Bring up the holy hand grenade. Yes, of course. And the Lord did win. All right, welcome to the Holy Hand Grenade podcast, where everything is made up and the points do matter, but we're not going to tell you how. I'm Doug Watson, uh, your host, and your other host is Jared Olinger. And on a scale of one to a series of Z's, how tired are you right now, Jared? Mm. Repeat the question. On a scale of one to a seri- a long series of Z's, how tired are you? Sorry, I fell asleep while you were talking. <laughs> a lot. I'm much tired. Mm. As I would say to my Hispanic friends, I'm mucho tired. Yeah, because you just drove quite a way, you know, cross. Or, yeah, road, road, car, either way. You know, it's tough. It's tough on the mind. Mm-hmm. But such is the dedication of the hosts of the Holy Hand Grenade podcast. You just won't see this in the big corporate podcast. That's right. Nowadays in the system, you know, this is this is like small business customer service. They'll level. just pretend like everything's fine. Whereas I intend to throw myself a pity party while we do this podcast. Right. In dedication to the fans. In dedication to <laughs> journalistic integrity. <laughs> All right. All right, so well, uh, let's jump right into it here uh, with the news section that may not be news when you hear it, so it's kind of news. Um, <clears throat> the first one, which is fascinating to me, and I caught this a while ago because, you know, as you know, I, I, I'm a bit of a science nerd, uh, at least as far as I actually read feeds of science news. <laughs> But when I found this, you know, this was pretty uh, far out there. Okay, the the top NASA science scientist, Ellen Stofan, mm-hmm. which I'm hoping I pronounce correctly, announced, and this is just in April, she announced that she predicts within the next uh, 20 years or so, by 2025, that we are going to see uh, signs of or proof of alien life so outside the ne- of the Earth. Next 20 years or next 10 years? You said 2025. Oh, yeah. Ten years, I guess it would be. Yeah. Yeah, 2025 is when she said. Yeah, I know math. <laughs> well, this is why you're here. Right. to check my math. Right. <laughs> Fact check. Yeah. So, you know, she, she did this. Um, but who is she to say that we're going to find alien life? Unless she's an alien, how does she know that? Well, doesn't NASA stand for, like, national... Alien Society of America? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hold on, let me fact check that. Yes, Yes, it does. (laughs) Yes, it does. That is factually factual. So, uh, yes. Uh, So she said, I mean, literally, quote, we know where to look and we know how to look. And I've actually seen articles here and there of them dedicating certain telescopes to checking for signs of... Uh, advanced civilizations like they've mathematically predicted what might happen to say a galaxy if an alien civilization had truly taken over the galaxy like in say star wars where there's just life everywhere uh or in certain uh, like dune or certain uh did they reference george lucas 
Do they uh, bring him in as like a, a, a consultant? consultant? Yeah. <laughs> no. Now this is a this is an interesting thing. Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is famous for his Cosmos series, is a you know famous scientist. Um, yeah, I totally know who that is. Go continue. <laughs> he is actually not a big Star Wars fan, but is a huge Star Trek fan, and actually thinks that Star Trek is a whole lot more scientifically accurate. Now, I, I suppose this makes sense because they somehow had to make up for the whole universe and, and world and story of Star Trek being so lame in comparison <laughs> to Star Wars. I don't know. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, quick story about that. I had a professor in college whom you know, and he was a huge Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. And I was in his office, and he had tons of Star Trek videos up on his shelves. And I was like... Paul, what is man? What is the deal? You you own like every Star Trek episode. Like, what is that? And he's like, "Have you not watched Star Trek?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." That's like with the the big guy, like Chewbacca, and he makes the funny noises, right? And he almost had an aneurysm on the spot. He was like, "I cannot believe that you thought Star Trek was Star Wars." And I was like, "Paul, chill. I know, <laughs> I know which one's which." He was going to have me come over to his house. It was going to be like homework assignment to make sure that I watched Star Trek and understood how much better it was than Star Wars. Teach you some Klingon. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Starts cursing at you in Romulan, you know? <laughs> yeah. So there are some... A lot of people would take issue with what you said, Doug. Right. Well, you know... I wish I cared. I wish I But it's just a simple... I mean, you know, it is a... Like, it's a simple scientific fact that Star Wars is better. Got you. I will plant my flag in that that <laughs> galaxy. <laughs> now here, so here, here's my question though, because it seems like a big question that I, I hear every now and then, and usually it's just one that's kind of fun to speculate. But I mean, in reality, if we found alien life, the implications would be huge. And the question is, uh, what would ha- like? How would Christians deal with finding? alien life i mean how would we process that i mean what kind of implications would that have yeah Yeah, it's a it's a great question um my short answer is i don't think we'll find aliens because of the implications of finding them and what it would mean for us uh if we do if there is alien life on another planet my own speculation would be that it is uh it's creaturely. It's not so in the same way that we have animals on this planet that don't have souls. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, best case scenario, that's what it would be on another planet. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've I've talked to different Christians who will even reference uh, C.S. Lewis' work, yeah, uh, the space trilogy that he out, wrote, out of the silent planet, yeah, and some stuff like that, and and they have some answers that they come up with but mine mine just kind of boils down to this which is if christ was you know if the bible is to be taken literally in the mission of christ being that he came to save the world from uh its own sinfulness from the sins from the sin of man and in romans 8 you know in other places but well it happens in in genesis 3 but also romans 8 romans 8 reveals that when Adam sinned, he brought creation down into his sin with him. Hmm. So, if that's the case, then um, 
all of creation, which would include the stars and whatever other planets would be out there, is also in sin and also in need of redemption. Mm-hmm. So if there is alien life, it either has to be of a creaturely nature or something without a soul, or it's not savable because whatever it is, um, you know, it's like, do dogs go to heaven? Well, no, probably not. Will there be dogs in heaven or on the new earth? Probably. Mm-hmm. You know, but like, but like, uh, Fifi, you know, she won't be there. Like my dog Fifi mm-hmm. that I had when I was whatever, which I don't really have a dog Fifi, but, uh, that dog, probably not, but a dog. Yes. So you're saying you don't think that there's any room for, like, us getting to a, an, a you know a, a planet outside of our solar system and finding humanoid intelligent life, or some kind of intelligent life, you know, life that is actually as intelligent as we are, not intelligent like a dolphin, but intelligent like we are. Um, that there's no room for basically there basically there's no room for them in in the real salvation plan at least as spoken of in the bible yeah it doesn't i mean to me there doesn't seem to be like now, if there is life i would have to say it was could there be demonic type life on another world in another universe maybe you know <laughs> d- the bible does not give us a lot of of answers as to what happened before creation when we pers- when we assume and, and implicate that Lucifer fell, that there was some sort of heavenly war, could could have something else happened, and and they decided, man, screw this, we are going to another planet, doing our own thing, and at the end, God's just gonna throw them in the lot with everyone else, even though they set up shop over on out of Jupiter, you know, in some other <laughs> universe that we find or something like that. Sure, now maybe. Man, that'd be a premise for a good book. I mean, you go in and it turns out that basically they're like Nephilim, you know, like they're demons right. in, in the physical form that just hung out, took over a planet and just... Yeah, you know, yeah, they were like, man, God seems to be really obsessed with this whole Earth thing. Let's go <laughs> chill on another planet in another universe. Which would still, incidentally, be just as rebellious because the angels have a purpose in God's kingdom. And I don't think it was to just go sit on a beach house in a... In right. a planet that has <laughs> yeah. nothing to do with the, the the people that history has biblically surrounded, you know that that it's all kind of focused on man and God's relationship with man, and even the angels are are playing a big part of that. And so, for them to just abandon the mission is like desertion, you know. It'd be like the same thing as the uh, you know like the enemies we deal with with that are actually tr- actively trying to. Right, get us, so to speak, and but I do think you're right in that the the crux of it is intelligent versus unintelligent because unintelligent I feel like would have no impact. I mean, yeah, it would be mind boggling and really cool, right? But like, I wouldn't want for have yeah, but it it wouldn't it wouldn't have any real philosophical impact except maybe one thing, and and the interesting thing is if we find it, if we find even microbes somewhere. you know, because they're trying to go to Europa and they're trying to go to Enceladus and uh, these planets, even within our own solar system, with plans to try to find life on these places that have underground oceans and mm. places where they they theorize could support life. And so they're actually going to try to find, uh, you know, at some point in the relatively near future, um, to go do this. And, and uh, the question would be like, if they find this, then everybody pretty much is going to go. 
well, what's now, we think even more that there's a possibility of intelligent life somewhere. Because mm-hmm. right now, nothing has ever been found. So it's all like speculation based on just ideas and right. things like that. But if they find something, then they're, I mean, it's not, even even the hardcore skeptics will have to say it's at least a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe so. And every and every and the longer they don't find anything, I mean, I think, um, and the more efforts we put towards it, you know, because there's a popular refrain out there like, "Are humans so arrogant that they think we're the only ones that exist in all the universe?" Mm. And my common answer to that is, "No, we are." You know, the, the Christian perspective is that we are humbled. And humiliated by the fact that we are the only ones, the only intelligent life in, in all the universe, that God so cared about us in all of our weakness and all of our sinfulness um, and all of our flaws and everything else. He cared so much about us that he enacted this plan that we can be redeemed by the blood of his son. I mean, that's a humbling, humiliating thing to think about, that we are the that we are the pinnacle of his creation, mm-hmm. you know, and he put his image in us. And yeah, I just, I just don't see it anywhere else in scripture where there's, um, room for the, the image of God being in another creature besides man. So sure. no, I agree with that. Man. And if there was, then all of a sudden we would have an obligation to share the gospel with them. So then what's that look like? <laughs> hey, Martian guy. <laughs> Jesus came to Earth 2,000 years ago. This was back before you discovered time travel. Mm. You know, and he died on the cross for your pasty, slimy, green skin. <laughs> and if you repent of your intergalactic sinfulness, mm. then you can be born again and remade into a human when... Mm. Everything is recreated. Then you can become one of us. Mm. And uh, it's, just, it's just a weird... If that happens, I, it would be so strange to me. I wouldn't really know. Yeah, and see, I like the idea. I like to think about it. I'm fascinated with the concept of it and how and what alien life could be like. Even just creatures and things like that elsewhere. However, I also don't necessarily have a problem with the idea that we are the only life in the universe. And the reason why is this. Uh, it is completely conceivable to me that God, if if his, you know the, this history that he's created and this universe and everything, and we are the ones out of his own image, it's perfectly conceivable that he would surround us with a, you know, possibly infinite universe, a universe that is so beyond our comprehension and understanding. In either direction, both big, you know, how big it is, and really what's going on at the tiniest below subatomic levels. Yeah. That he creates in a universe that is so mind-bogglingly huge that we cannot even conceive of it as a testament. Inconceivable. Yeah. As a, as a testament of how big he is and how, how inconceivable he is compared to us. Yeah. Like, it seems yeah, less to make less sense for him to just create a single planet floating in blackness. And we're just like, oh, well, we're everything. Like, 
it, it it shows us that we're just such a tiny thing in comparison to something. And I do think there's something to it because, I mean, it, most people who who really look up at the stars and appreciate what's there feel humbled. Right. Most of the people who have gone up into space talk about having um, just very humbling moments. They're just in awe. Because now they are suddenly encountering something that is so far bigger and greater than themselves that there's not even any way for their mind to process it, much less compare themselves to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I think Scripture gives us an answer. Um, Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. Hmm. Psalm 56, the heavens declare his righteousness. Um well, in Romans one, where it talks about how the, the all of creation testifies to to God and right to His uh, invisible attributes, His mm-hmm. divine power and justice, and yeah, which could include how <clears throat> big and infinitely greater than we are. Yeah, He is. Yeah, and His creative capacity and um, His His power to sustain all of those things without exerting any energy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, any any. Uh, not energy. I mean, I guess there is energy, but without, you know, any kind of tireless or tiring, I should say, effort. Right. Um, no mistakes. No yeah. trial and error. No right. development of, of, you know, she just, everything's perfect right away. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I think, I think scripture gives us an answer for why the universe is so vast, um, so amazing and beyond our comprehension it doesn't seem to be intelligent life somewhere else although it would be cool if like all of the extinct species on earth were just chilling on another planet somewhere like whenever they die out here god's like okay now you go over to you go over to second earth and wait and wait until the redemption of the dodo birds and yeah yeah the dinosaurs (laughs) and they're all just hanging out um so if we discover that planet, that'd be awesome. That'd be I'd be down with that, you know. Man, how confusing that would be though. I mean, <laughs> yeah. just all the species we have evidence of here that don't exist here but are there. Yeah. Yeah. Be we wouldn't even know what to make of it. Yeah. I want to go, I want to visit. All right. So the next subject is uh is cosmologically a lot smaller, but still <laughs> kind of a big deal to a lot of people here on Earth. I like that um, transition there. That was nice. <laughs> so uh, FIFA is getting into a lot of trouble these days. Uh, the U.S. government has actually indicted um, a, a comparatively large number of uh, high-level executives uh, of FIFA. And I suppose I, it's worth saying, since the, since our primary listenership is probably American, um might be worth saying FIFA is the big soccer organization. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you might want to clarify, this isn't just the, the word in front of a name for a video game. Like, it's a real thing. FIFA is a real thing, and they do soccer stuff. Yeah. but Soccery it's, type stuff. It has been a huge shakedown. I mean, there's yeah. been 14 or 15 uh, high-level, top-level executives of FIFA right. indicted. And six more just this week have been added to the FBI most wanted list. Uh, people who are associated or attached somehow to the the scandals and everything that's been going on. Isn't FIFA international though? Yeah. So FBI is like only the six guys who are Americans. Well, 
that got added to the list? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know how that, that works. But basically all the allegations have to do with um, a consistent uh, allegations of bribery and uh, lots of just shady business dealings going on with these world governments all over mm. the place. Um, which a lot of people speculate had a lot to do with Russia and Qatar getting the World Cup in the you know relatively near future here, mm-hmm. uh, which seems to be blasted you, Russia. You think about yeah, I mean Russia is not exactly the most uh, straightforward country. Yeah, <laughs> over the table kind of dealer. Do they even have, lately? Do they even have <laughs> soccer balls over there? <laughs> well, they have a team, you know. They, there is they compete a, yeah. a Russian team. Uh-huh. I don't think they get very far, but I, they they yeah. exist. Okay, you know, I guess they're they're just used to playing on ice. I don't, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never heard of a Russian team, but I, I believe you. But they, uh, so yeah, Russia's getting it, and Qatar, which a lot of if anybody knows anything about Qatar, and you guys can Google it if you don't, but. Basically, even even just right now in the preparations and construction for it, there have been so many human rights violations and so many people have died in the construction of this and people being underpaid and, and allegations of human slavery being used. And I mean, there's just lots of weird stuff coming out of Qatar from this. And so not only that, but there has been a long history of, of allegations of corruption within FIFA. And I'm almost impressed that the president, Sepp Blatter, lasted as long as he has. Would you or please did. say that name again? Sepp Blatter. With, with two T's. Okay. <laughs> Blatter. 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 So, so he, Blatter. Uh, so he had, he had gone through and weathered quite a few different allegations just in the last ten years. Right. And finally, uh, finally just resigned. Gotcha. And uh, finally just said, okay, fine, you indict all my executives, I guess I give up. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting, getting tired of playing this game. Yeah, and so, now, you know, I'm trying I, to run a criminal enterprise and you keep screwing it up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. uh, so, okay. So, the, my, one of my questions here is, because I'm not a sports guy very, right. very much. Um, yeah, and, I'm, I'm the resident sports expert. Right. Now. Which isn't saying a lot, but alas, between the two of us, it is true. Well, especially in soccer. I mean, we're both Americans, so there's, you know, sports expert is on a huge, graded on a huge curve. That's right. We're talking <laughs> very, about very loose term in regards to soccer. In fact, I think the very fact that we're using the word soccer in general instead of football yeah, football. takes points off us. Football. You know? But my question is like, okay, yeah, FIFA is an international organization and a sport that America doesn't generally care about for the most part. Why is the U.S. government involved in this at all? Why are they making indictments about a sports organization and bribery and things like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I think the obvious answer is that they don't know what their jobs are. And uh, that they also want <laughs> a real easy win, okay? Because if if you shake down soccer people in America, then Americans are like, yeah, that's right, those stupid soccer-playing pansies across the ocean, across the pond, 
They need to play real sports like football and basketball and baseball, American pastimes. Hmm. They need to do. Some, they need to win. But what have they done? What's the FBI done in the past twenty years? Nothing. You can't think of anything. They, they have no accomplishments. If they shake down soccer, then they've got Americans on their side. Like man, hmm. soccer sucks. Kill soccer. Now I am. I do have to say. I'm a sporting KC fan, mm. uh, which is the uh, Major League Soccer, MLS. They're a team in the in the MLS here in America. And what they're called what? They're called Sporting KC. They tried to do a whole... They used to be like the Kansas City Wizards, which was a really dumb name. Sorry, Washington, for your basketball team that's also named Wizards. You chose poorly. Also a dumb name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um the Harry Potters of basketball. But they, they changed over. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they changed over to Sporting KC because that's more of a uh, more of a traditional sort of a... So they're just called the KC. It's like you got the Warriors and the Wizards and the KC. No, it's Sporting KC. Wait, Sporting KC is yeah. the name of the mascot. Yeah, because that's... No, that's the name, that's the name <laughs> our of the ma- club. Our mascot is the sport. <laughs> <laughs> Or just the letters K and C. There's all sporting over there. (laughs) Man, doing those bad sport. Yeah, he just looks awesome. Look at old sport. Here's here's the deal. Or just like giant alphabet. I I picture people in giant K's and C's dancing around as like the mascots out there. Yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. Uh, I don't think that happens. Look, I don't even watch or follow enough. Um, to know if they even have a mascot. You didn't let me finish my thought, which was, I'm a sporting KC fan simply because I'm an all-things Kansas City fan. So I am generally aware of when they make the playoffs and if they win the championship. Other than that, if they suck, I pay no attention to them. I'm not like a diehard fan like I am, say, the Royals or the Chiefs or whatever. But there is a, there is a soccer team there in Kansas City. There's a groundswell of support around them. By and large, so Kansas City and Seattle are two of the are two of the, and I think maybe L.A. Just because, um, for one, there's like a bunch of Latinos out there, and two, it's just so huge. Like at some point, someone's going to like soccer. You know, like <laughs> like when you have millions of people in your city, like there's enough people to yeah. like it, yeah, to support it. Um, but there's not a lot of big cities outside of those, and maybe there are, and I'm just speaking in ignorance, which is also a possibility. Um, but yeah, I think I think the 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 best answer, the most logical conclusion is the FBI just simply doesn't know what they're really supposed to be doing, and uh, have kind of looked back and realized, you know, we haven't done a whole lot, and so this is an easy win for us, and Americans will support us because we don't really mm-hmm. like soccer. No, that's a great point because if they go after the NBA, if they go after the NFL, oh well, I will huge, hate them. Yeah, huge local consequences. Loathe them. Yeah, yeah. I mean it'd just be disastrous, and you know, yeah. hurt our economy and yeah. hurt like entertain. I mean, yeah, it would hurt the children, and yeah. the children are our future, so it would hurt our future. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and then the other reason would be um, that. Um. Well, that's not really a reason. I was going to say just that they're dumb. Like, the same kind of thing, like when they brought Mark McGuire in front of Congress to testify about steroid use and uh, Jose Canseco and whoever else. It's like, 
Congress. Congress. There are other the people things. who declare war for the country <laughs> are talking about steroid usage in a sport. Like, it, yeah, it's just dumb. That's why I say it's dumb. Um, I would much rather them be spending their time on countless other things. Mm. Uh, and maybe they yeah. do, and they just don't get press for it. You know, because it's all secretive and governmenty like. Um, but but soccer does or FIFA does because it's a sport and in general Americans care more about sports than they do politics or the government or whatever else even though we'll, we'll gladly get mad at the government no but really things. in these upcoming presidential elections what they really should do is is talk about how many uh, like any candidate that wants to get elected should talk about how many sports candidates they've grilled as part That's of right. the platform. That's you know, it's right. like I'm pro-life or pro-choice. I'm, you know, pro-large government, and I've grilled 16 sports players. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, deep impacts on the American economy and, and yeah. culture and everything. You know, <laughs> yeah, it that's about, that's what I would vote for. Like for, I would vote based on their approach to steroids and baseball. Yeah, it's terrible <laughs> for all the liberals that want to cry about wasteful government spending, or really, Republicans are the ones who you know complain about that, and rightly so. Um, but for the liberals that do, they want to talk about the war, mm. you know, all the money we're spending on a war, this war, that war, whatever. Every moment that someone spends investigating a soccer thief, okay, <laughs> is wasteful spending of time, resources, and everything else. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these are not these aren't criminal masterminds. These are really crafty. Soccery business people mm. that are getting money and doing shady deals to get the World Cup in cities where normally it wouldn't be or whatever. Uh, now, the real story is, like you were talking about, the construction being done and the people who have died from that and been injured. That's a big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. But where it's at and how they got it and whatever, I'm just like, dude, there are so many more important things that that need to be done or could be addressed with the resources of the FBI. Yeah. Than that. So yeah, like human trafficking or Yeah, just minor stuff. number of things. <laughs> minor stuff. Yeah. I mean, I know I know that that's pretty well, com- competing and human level, rights violations. Yeah, level of importance to briberies in in sports, but you know, I think it edges it out just a little bit. Here's the other thing, too. Every time I open ESPN.com and there is a article on FIFA, that is, an, that is a spot that a different article could have been. And now <laughs> I, have to, I, care about. <laughs> I have to scroll past it or past an ad to get to something more meaningful. It's tragic. It's terrible. Put, put all the soccer news on that little green soccer page that you have, ESPN, and no one knows how to get to. It doesn't even look the same because even you know you shouldn't associate yourself with soccer unless it's the World Cup. <laughs> Come on. ESPN, my thumbs are tired. Yeah. <laughs> my thumbs have a dream. <laughs> uh, the glass on no. my iPhone is wearing thin. Yeah. I do want to throw out one last little uh, kind of more serious point here. I want a little takeaway that we can kind of take and observe and watch and apply to our own pursuits in life and everything. Is that 
the the victims here, the, the the people I think suffering the most here from all this are not the executives. I mean, if they are guilty, then they should get justice and right. whatnot. But the the fact is, FIFA is a monstrous organization. It is gigantic, just lots of employees and lots of businesses um, that are affected by its activities. I mean, we talk about the World Cup coming into a town, and then the, one of the reasons it's such a big deal politically is because it can make a huge difference to whatever city or country it goes to. Yeah. And so, uh, and there are just tons of people who have dreamed of working for FIFA or working in, in that arena and things like that, who have dedicated countless hours to that organization and to furthering their career in it and furthering it and things like that. And now all of a sudden, all the leadership that you were trusting for the leadership of this organization um, turns out to be horribly corrupt, mm. at least uh, allegedly. And um, Allegedly. Yeah. And so this is awfully disruptive in a major Heart, kind of heartrending way for a lot of people who didn't do anything wrong. And here's the thing: uh, I think there are like two principles here. Is that one? What you know, the Bible always talks about constantly through the Old Testament. It references the the powerful oppressing people, and I feel like this is one practical example because we don't see FIFA officials or rich people directly oppressing the poor as much as say in history with peasantry and things like that. But what you do see is, like, these people playing their little power games and taking their, their bribes and, the, and doing things like that. And the people who suffer the most are the, the ones below them. That's right. The 99 percenters. Right. Because Come on. Cause they might get suffer. They might get fined. They might go to jail or whatever mm-hmm. the case is. But these other people could have careers ruined by it, too. Yeah. And you're right. That's, that, is a, that is a more helpful serious way to look at it although i would like to say in response to that and i quote mystery science theater here you die captain and we all move up in rank <laughs> there is opportunity here so, so what you're the- saying what you're saying is as a member of senior management at the company i work at i should engage in corruption so that for the benefit of the entire company yes. when i'm busted that's right <laughs> So then one of those 99 percenters can move up. They can enjoy the 1% for a while. If those, if those uh, you know, dudes up there at the top, they stay there forever, <laughs> no one else gets a shot at it. So they're not going to voluntarily step down. They've got to do some shady deals so that they can get busted. And then there's opportunity for someone else. Mm. So... <laughs> ever the optimist. All right, point taken. Ever the optimist. I look at it. Totally differently. All right, point taken. I mean, I just finished our business plan for the next three years. I'm going to have to go make some edits. Right. And include some additional things. That's right. Repent of your poor thought life. <sighs> I know. <man. laughs> you know. All right. So this leads into the awesome of the week. And uh, this is from one of the uh, former vice presidents here. Um with FIFA. 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 Yeah, you almost didn't notice the, the, the uh, FIFA. Yeah, we should coin that. Mm. Everybody should pay us to use it. <laughs> All right. Easy money. All right, so this uh, so this, this FIFA executive decided to lash out. He released a, a seven, eight-minute video 
lashing out about uh, U.S. media and claiming um, bias against uh, FIFA for losing the World Cup to Russia. For being soccer. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And so what he brings in evidence of his claims here in this this rant video is an article from The Onion. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, The Onion <laughs> is a, uh, a fake news site. They, they, it's a satirical site where they post hilarious fake news uh, articles. And they're all just ridiculous. And every now and then you see somebody share one seriously on your Facebook feed or something like that, and they just don't realize it. But this is... Hilarious. Which is a gold mine. Those are gems. <laughs> yeah. If you see that, you got to screenshot it and send it to us because it's great. <laughs> yes, that, that would, that's a good idea. We'll, yeah. we'll post them on our Facebook or we'll yeah. post them on our Twitter. And, uh, but yeah, so they when they announced charges against uh, uh, Jack Warner... He went on this this rant and used this this Jack article boy. that's entitled "FIFA frantically announces 2015 Summer World Cup in the U.S." <laughs> and basically, just describes this scene of a bunch of nervous executives say, you know, announcing that the games are starting today, <laughs> just in reaction to all the you know the stuff going down yeah. and everything. And it's uh, you know it was just a hilarious fake story. And so yeah, but he spends. Um, you know, several minutes saying, you know, uh, quote, I look to see that FIFA has frantically announced 2015 this year, Olympic final in the World Cup beginning <laughs> beginning May 27th, <laughs> brandishing a printed copy of the Onion article and says, if FIFA is so bad, why is it that the U.S. wants to keep the World Cup? Why is it that they begin the games on May 27th? Why is it the U.S. authorities sought to embarrass FIFA and Zurich? Something has to be wrong. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So he was for real using it. Yeah, he's he's totally serious. So he did, yeah, he obviously didn't. And where's he from? I have no idea. Was it somewhere without a sense of humor? (laughs) <laughs> well, apparently somebody who does at least doesn't know about satirical since <laughs> Yeah. I've met some of those people from some of those places. <laughs> this is this is a great line at the very end of the video. He says, Jack Warner is everybody's whipping boy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even know what that means, but you know. Goodness gracious. That is awesome. So yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. I think that qualified and was related. It's topical. Yeah. I would also like to throw in, uh, this is topical as well, hmm. my awesome of the week, All which right. is the German a cappella group in Pitch Perfect 2. Hmm. They are awesome. If you haven't seen it yet, you need to check it out just for Flula, whatever uh, Shambadada's name, the guy that's on YouTube. It's got like, Your pronunciation is wonderful. Yeah. Like, that was yeah. masterful. And it, and, and, it, and it relates because German is international. And they play soccer, and so there's a German group in there, and I just want. And don't they play on a soccer pitch? On a pitch, pitch perfect, pitch perfect, exactly. Isn't is it a soccer movie? Yeah, it's a. Well, basically, and the Green Bay Packers are in there, which are football players. Football, Mm, football is soccer, right? In a different language or 
country, world, the rest of the mm. world. So anyway, clearly it relates. Mm. The German team, the German club in Pitch Perfect is hilarious and awesome. They probably, well, spoiler alert, so I won't say that. But anyway, you should check it out. <laughs> das Sound Machine was their name in the uh, in the movie. All right, all right. Well, now we're going to transition to the uh, the more uh, spiritual, serious uh, topic of the day, the morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you happen to be listening to it here. Uh, this section, this segment is is tentatively titled "Scripture Hipsters," and um, which is actually legitimate. Let me, hear me out this here, because I realized the other day that scripters. You know, Chris, basically, there's no point in history that, that Scripture has actually been cool. Therefore, all Christians who like Scripture are liking it before it's cool. Therefore, all Christians are hipsters. <laughs> nice. I like that. So, I don't like being a hipster, but I accept your definition and logic. Yeah, it's a sad truth. I don't want to believe it, but I can't. The, the logic is flawless. Yeah. <laughs> so now I have to become vegan and, and wear eat. scarves in the summer and tight jeans. And yeah, skinny jeans. Yeah. <laughs> and thick black-rimmed glasses. And it, you know, we're about to go on vacation. We're about to head up to Pennsylvania. You know, my wife lives in the middle or used to her family lives in the middle of Amish country in uh, Lancaster, uh, Pennsylvania. And uh her brother-in-law, last time I was up there, he was like we were watching some uh you know, bike across the road, and and uh, he was like, "Okay, let's play a game: hipster or Amish." <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So the the topic of the time period <laughs> of which we are talking here um, is uh, very hot right now. Is Bruce Jenner, or as he wants to be called, uh, Juice Brenner? Right. I mean, so, Caitlin. Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner, <laughs> um, of Caitlin course, Kardashian, yeah, something like that. You know, of course, uh, Bruce Jenner was an Olympic athlete back in the seventies, and the only reason we really know anything about him now is because he was on Keeping with Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and he has uh, not too long ago started admitting that he has supposedly always wanted to be a woman, and. Uh, Things kind of progressed until this week when Vanity Fair released an article um, of him kind of coming clean and announcing his female name and everything and a a big cover shoot of him as a woman, heavily photoshopped for certain reasons. And uh, he's old and looks like a dude. Well, yeah. And, you know. Uh, certain physical features were heavily photoshopped and dude features. Yeah. But like in a corset and, you know, designed to be a little bit sexy and everything. And, you know, so this, this cover shoot has obviously gone all over the internet (laughs) and with varying reactions. Um, but the one I, you know, the, obviously the one we're seeing the most, I think quantitatively has been, not just acceptance, but kind of a militant, you should be okay with this. Yeah. A militant. And here's a wonderful opportunity for all of us to talk and, and figure out what, how do we handle the transgender community and 
mm-hmm. and how do we support them and like he, right. like his a big announcement is is this opportunity for us to to have this meaningful conversation that we've been neglecting somehow. Oh yeah, and, and I think it's important for us to start wrestling with this and start getting a really good grasp on these issues because this is not going away. I don't think there is any chance that we're going to see a decrease in this type of thing until the South rises again. <laughs> yeah, something seeds. Something critical has to happen to the nation for this this to stop. And or if Muslims take over, they won't put up with this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably true. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that is definitely definitely the direction the culture is going uh, with this sort of ambiguity regarding gender and gender roles and um, sexuality and everything like that. And so there and has it's, been it's been going that way for a long time. Sure, you know, and when I say that, I mean as soon as. You, you, we headed down that path when, even when you just start accepting, you know, the sexual revolution in the 70s, when you start accepting that people can can have sex or whatever with whoever they want, with no commitment, with really no strings attached, the inevitable road is, you know, that that you can then swing both ways, for lack of a better term. You can experiment. You can whatever. And then, it, so if you, if a guy wants to become a girl... You know, that, that's really not that big of a deal once you you kind of throw off all restraints in regards to there being one man, one woman, or any kind of commitment in our sexuality that we were designed a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just that idea of being able to be promiscuous with whoever, you're already neglecting that design. You're, you're casting yeah. off the design of the creator, and it's just only a matter of time before you get into all these other... These yeah. other kinds of areas, and so not to say that there's not real conflict with people who are going through some of this stuff. I don't, I don't deny that at all. I'm just saying that it's been in motion for a long time, and it seems like it's just now coming to a swell, mm. where it's where it's be, where the undercurrent of acceptance has actually been there and been in place, and now it's it's finally rearing itself, and and the acceptance is is much bigger than probably. You know, our parents or grandparents would have ever thought it could become sure. Because I mean, it's not. This isn't the first time we've seen drag. I mean, the the or or this sort of thing. I mean, Rocky Horror Show was right. uh, uh, was all about that back. Which I was horrified when I first saw that. I was like, <laughs> "What am I watching?" I went yeah. to I went to a play of it to support a friend in school, mm. and I had no idea what it was, <laughs> and I was shocked and horrified. Well, but, and, uh, RuPaul. You know, made waves back in the day when when he decided to be a woman and everything. Um, I missed that. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, well, but yeah, this is exploding more so because everyone is militantly deciding this is okay. Not only okay, but good. This is why you're seeing most of the comments are not like, hey, you should be okay with their choices. It's, this is beautiful. Right. He, he, this, this is, is so brave. brave. It's courageous. Yeah. yeah. Um, but let's let's start from the beginning. I don't want to assume that um, I don't want to assume too much. Yeah. Because there are people with legitimate questions about this. So let's start from the beginning. A is this okay, and why is it a big deal to God for for genders to be a certain way or 
for this to not be okay and things like that. Like, why is it a big deal and why, what a, is it okay? Is there any room for this sort of thing? Yeah. Well, I would, I think there's a, and I want to be careful here because I, I joke around a lot and, uh, and make light of things and whatever, but you know, I, I've, I've had I had friends in high school and in college who wrestled with their sexual identity, who mm-hmm. claimed to be homosexual in some form or fashion, or yeah, open too. to both ways or whatever. And they were genuine friends of mine. Spent a lot of time with them, uh, loved them dearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, one of them I know ended up you know turning away from that lifestyle and marrying a man and has a family now and so so I've kind of seen I've seen a little bit in my own limited experience of of kind of both sides of that equation and I don't take that struggle that people have I don't take that lightly mm-hmm. what I tend to take lightly and make fun of is the the just um sort of just overwhelming acceptance and lack of thought that goes into um, justifying and um, supporting this sort of on a on a holistic level or a national level with the media, for example, and mm-hmm. and just the idea that everyone should be on board with it. And here's why. And I find the reasoning a lot of times to be to be very lacking and unconvincing and for for a side of the nation that tends to preach tolerance very intolerant of allowing christians to have their own viewpoint which has been rooted which hasn't changed has been rooted in the scriptures and in the god that we serve for a very long time and so we're not being hypocritical we're not being mean-spirited this is what we believe this is what's been given to us in the word of god this is something we've confessed one man one woman that god made us in his image that both men and women um communicate aspects of who god is and that it's important that we re- that we celebrate um masculinity mm-hmm. you know and feminism you know a proper type of feminism so to speak or mm-hmm. So, so I don't, I don't take that lightly, but what I will say, um, I'll say in, in regards to, you know, is it okay? Is there room for this? The short answer is no, no. I mean, there's not the long answer is so, so biblically, no, should Christians accept that the idea that someone born a man or born a male has desires to be a female and then therefore spends thousands upon thousands of dollars to operate on themselves and try to make themselves into a woman and we should somehow celebrate that? The answer is no. Mm-hmm. Um, is there room for it in this this sort of struggle that people have and the feelings that they may have in this identity crisis they may have? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's true of all of us. In, in various ways, when, you know, when Adam sinned and when Adam and Eve sinned and they brought creation down with them and they brought sin into the world, there was a brokenness 
brought into God's design for everything. Mm-hmm. And and it does make sense that it would permeate into every level of our being all the way down to the way you were born. I mean, it's it can't be any more obvious. You're born and, you know, you know, male or female. Mm-hmm. But by the way that, that God has designed you coming out of the womb. You know, there are some circumstances where doctors mess up the ultrasound picture and they get it wrong. But when the child is born, there's no, there's no second guessing now, you know. We know if she's a girl or he's a boy. Mm-hmm. And to, the, to think that sin would, would permeate all the way to that really is totally reasonable. That's what Satan would love to do, to attack us all the way to the core of who we are, uh, to, bring, to bring sort of the brokenness and the fallenness of sin um, into everything in our existence. And so, um, you know, I, and I don't even know if people in the transgender community, so to speak, would even appreciate this, but, um, I can, I can respect the struggle that they have and I'm not dismissive of that. I don't try to be dismissive of that. Mm -hmm. I am dismissive of the media and the culture at large trying to tell me that I have to accept this way of life and that I should somehow celebrate it as Mm -hmm. if it is normative or it should be normative because I don't agree with that. And I'm bound by scripture when it comes to that. And the fact that they won't respect that I think shows more about their bias and their hypocrisy than it would anything they would say about me in that respect. Um, but certainly, I mean, people have these struggles, they're real. Um, you know, we should, we should help them. We should befriend them. They're real people. Mm-hmm. They deserve that, you know, they don't deserve. I, I should show them love and mercy just as God has shown them love, shown me love and mercy, regardless of how they identify themselves and what they're going through and everything else. And, uh, and so I, I would seek to do that, you know, personally, mm-hmm. but I would never want to affirm their decisions in acting on those desires. I, instead I would, I would want to to try over a period of time to say, well, look, let's look at it from God's perspective. Let's look at, you know, and, and simultaneously show them that I love them, but show them that there, there is another way that Christ died for this, that there is suffering in this life. Even if they never feel like their identity, their sexual identity is, is firm in their own minds if they will simply continue to look to him, God will reward that faithfulness in the life to come. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that all that stuff is not removed in this life because of the sin of Adam, because of the way it's corrupted creation. And so in that kind of respect, yeah, there is room for it. It's going to be there. It's kind mm-hmm. of like Jesus saying, the poor is always going to be with you, you know. Yeah. I, a lot of these things, I think, will always be with us. Um, but it doesn't make them right. It doesn't make it something that I should celebrate. Absolutely. Necessarily. Well, and, and it's also another point that uh, that just occurred to me that I, I don't, and we have talked about this, that I, I'm, I'm really not a fan of the church's general taboo on certain subjects. Because the lack of addressing these things, mm-hmm. like the, the kind of almost fear of it, almost like complete rejection of anybody who who admits to struggling it or thinking they're weird or a freak or anything like that um not only is unloving but unbiblical because 
you know, it says no temptation overcomes you except that which is common to man. That means that kind of stuff is happening, or at least the temptations involved and the struggles involved there are not that uncommon. A lot of people may not act on it. A lot of people may not act on it, but it's there. And I, and what we're seeing here is not all just, you know, the growth of this stuff. I don't think is always necessarily like an increase in the number of people tempted with this, but an increase of, in the number of people who act on it and admitting it maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And you know, but yes, I, I do think there are some theological implications to this question. Um, and maybe this is a little high level, but it's, uh, you know, for one, I mean, both personal, a lot of people talk about God's design, how he designed the order of things, which is completely, absolutely true and, and should be enough. I mean, just God saying, no, this, this is how we're going to do it. We don't have to understand. We should just obey because he's God and we're not. Right. Sure. But that's, that's how I talk to my kids. <laughs> you because know, I said so. Oh, bang, mom, yeah. Man, I hate it because I said so growing up. But yeah. uh, it is it is a wonderful tool. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah, but you think about the implications of what you're saying. If I decide I'm going to be a woman now, what I am saying about God and to God is that He made a mistake when He was forming me in the womb. He made me the wrong gender. You got that X and that Y mixed up, yo. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, that he, he made a mistake in designing me. Which is easy, because it's just that one little dash, you know. At the, Between an X and a Y. <laughs> yeah. So it's just that, it's not even the full cross, it's just that one dash on the bottom half of the Y. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, but yeah, so it does, and, and of course that does go into the greater, the greater rebellion of just rebelling against God's design in general, but... But yeah, I mean, you just think about this. It's just you you have decided that you know better about your own creation than God does. Yeah. Like, uh, have you seen Dodgeball, the movie? Uh, yeah, a long time ago, yeah. Ben Stiller's character at the end is like, you can't do this. I created myself. And he's going in like this rampage and he blurts out that he created himself. <laughs> and that's supposed to be funny. Because it's ridiculous. Because it's ridiculous. <laughs> But we, but we wouldn't, you know. Then, but the culture at large wouldn't apply that here, mm-hmm. even though it's, you know, it's equally absurd that we would say that to God in anything. No, yeah. and and it, not just transgender. I mean, I have struggles. You have struggles. Um, you know, I can't say that. Well, because I because I like alcohol, or because I like the woman form. Well, I'm just, I'm supposed to have as many wives as I want. I'm supposed to sleep with however many women I want. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've heard of uh, sexual predators on children who describe it in very much the same way. That oh, this yeah. is, it's a desire, it's a demon, it's a beast that's inside them. They can't control it. So where do we draw the line? Can we then tell them, hey man, just act on it. It's the way that, it's what's in you. It's You're the way born. that you were born that way. Right. You know, I was born this way, Lady Gaga. Yeah, which speaking of which, though, this is the, one of the other implications it has is that this kind of like this whole this whole direction we're going just flings wide the gates to confusion because there's nothing straightforward about all this. There's nothing um, 
clear cut about their philosophy and their their things they're spouting and all that stuff. The clear cut order of things was the way God designed it and everything, but all this is just confusing. And like and the way I mean, you know, there's there's evidence in nature. You know, it's it's evident that a man is supposed to be with a woman in order to procreate. Mm-hmm. You know, and but it's like just just the very fact that it opens the door to so much confusion is to me a sign that it's not of God because He says He's not a God of confusion; mm. He's a God of order. And you know, the let, let me give you an example here. Um, we have now become a culture where we defend homosexuals by saying they were born that way, but then say, but you, you know, it's like you say your sexual preference is not a choice, but your gender is. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... That's that's a great point. <laughs> I was so tired that I had to think about it for a minute to really get what you were saying. <laughs> but, yes. And so, it just like I said, it's just how do we process these things? And it just opens the door to a lot of confusion. And not only that, it's... And this well, is just my it, own... It's not, well, it wasn't his choice. Bruce was born... A woman trapped in a man's body. It was right. like it was like Freaky Friday, <laughs> which is, and this is just a you know nerdy pet peeve, but it's just bad science. It's, <laughs> it's bad just science. bad science. Like I mean, everything genetically, everything biologically, you know, points to everything being a certain gender in you know almost every case, and so. It's just bad science to be able to say that. And and I also read another article from a from a woman who is not saved railing against this, saying how it's an, an insult to women. She's like, a bunch of plastic surgery and an entourage of, you know, Photoshop, editing, and makeup artists don't make a woman. It's like, and she goes, she goes through a long article just describing the experience of a woman, of a girl from birth. Growing up as a girl, wondering if you're pretty, wondering if, you know, just dealing with the insecurities <laughs> unique to women. Like, you know, just the, all the physical changes you have to go through and all the insecurities and emotional stuff from, you know, the once a month stuff to the, I mean, everything you have to deal with growing up. And, and she's like, oh, but he wants we, to come along and say he did a surgery and now he's a woman? Well, we should be glad for <laughs> Bruce. He got to skip all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And he never had to wonder, and if he ever did wonder, am I a pretty girl, the answer was no. <laughs> so at least, that was, at least that was clear, you know? Yeah, yeah He didn't yeah. have to be conflicted. It was like, mm, clearly I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a pretty girl. So may, may have been a handsome boy. Yeah. Now, now, there is one thing I wanted to say here, though. That, and, and this is mostly, I want to speak to Christians here. Um, this is primarily geared towards you, um, that there is a war here, but it's not the one that everybody thinks it is. All spiritual warfare on both sides has a single goal and all, everything that happens in that spiritual warfare revolves around that goal of winning hearts. Okay. With the holy hand grenade. <laughs> yes. But Every every uh, you know everything the enemy does is geared ultimately towards your heart, okay? The and and everything that God is doing is also geared towards your heart. He mostly cares about your heart being in the right place, and that kind of governs everything. This is a war, not just about gender. This is not just a war about 
philosophy or politics or, or life choices or anything. This is a war about hearts of individual people. And it just kind of comes down to a heart of whether they are for God or against God. And we should not lose sight of the enemy's deeper strategy here, um, which actually has nothing to do with gender. Gender is just a tool of this deeper strategy. That, you know, transgender people most often describe this, this feeling that they're not who they are or not who they should be and have feelings and desires that, you know, those around them don't accept and they just describe this feeling they've had for a lot of, a lot of their life and everything. And, of course, the world or the enemy's answer is, well, just go for it. Indulge them. And, mm. you know, just this is what you've been feeling. Freedom comes with just going for it. Don't pretend you're not who you are anymore. That's the same thing I say at the grocery store. <laughs> yes, in that cookie aisle. Now, but here's the deal. You know, then the public, like we've been discussing, comes along and says, no, that's beautiful. You should be who you are and this and that or the other. And that's where the story ends in the public eye. Okay? But, you know, so they basically say if a person wants to switch genders... To each his own, let him do it, and that's where it stops. But of course, this is not where the story stops for those people. And, you know, I'm a numbers guy, okay? Maybe it's my, you know, business job and everything, but, you know, it's not as fun as, like, fun pictures on Instagram, you know, fun lines on Instagram pictures, a little cheap philosophical sayings and things like that. It's not as feel-good, you know, and all that. But I'm just, I'm a numbers guy. And so I'm always asking these questions when we talk about decisions and effectiveness and things like that. I'm always asking about the numbers. And there is a study that was done um, that used some numbers. Yeah, University of Birmingham. Okay, and they did this summary review of they did over a hundred international medical studies of post-operative transsexuals, and basically just kind of asking a variety of questions. But one of their key findings was, uh, "quote There is no conclusive evidence that sex change operations improve the lives of transsexuals, with many people remaining severely dis- distressed and even suicidal after the operation." Right, so, so I sit here and go. They want to, you know, parrot all these these feel good acceptance things, but they don't want to be, you know. And they all, and part of their key argument is about being honest about who you're, you know, right. who you are and things like that. But then they don't want to mm-hmm. be honest about whether it works. Yeah, and so, uh, so that this is how I process it. I sit here and go, well, does it work? And it doesn't. At least not scientifically. Uh, At least not according to research. In fairness, though, you said Birmingham. Is that Alabama? I honestly don't know. It could be. Probably is. It could be England. Isn't there Birmingham in England? I don't don't know. But if it is, that's from the South. So it can't be trusted. (laughs) The South is not on. The South, you know, they've got a biased agenda. Right. Against. (laughs) Never mind. But anyway. But now. So, so what this what this means is, they've been struggling with this for so long. The world, the world of the enemy comes along and says, "Indulge it," right? And so, you know, basically, the story for them is that this final dramatic act of identity realization did nothing. Mm. Okay, 
And this is what gives us a clue, just kind of a whisper of what the enemy's real strategy is. You know, it's like we, they're constantly telling us that something is wrong with us or something, you know, something is missing. Um, and they do so frequently and constantly and consistently. And then at some point, sooner or later, they present them with a savior. They present them with something that's going to solve the problem. This savior comes in many forms. It could be if I could only just get a better body, if I could lose weight and get in shape, mm, if I could just find my significant other, if I could just have kids, right. if I could just get the job I want, if mm. I could just live my dream, you know, if I could just be the gender I feel, if I could just have the sexual preference that I'm attracted to, if I could just this, that, or the other. Can we create a third gender? Can we decide, you and I, that we want to be a different gender, but create a new one that doesn't currently exist? Mm-hmm. Would that be accepted? Well, we should try. As a social experiment, <laughs> we should come up with a third gender. Well, pedal it out there. See just how, just how accepting this, uh, <laughs> this culture really is. All right, but bear with me here. I'm going. Okay, going, sorry. Going somewhere. I, <laughs> sorry, my mind was. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so this this savior comes in all these different forms, and honestly, this is what we all experience. We all feel this way. For me, it was music. If I could just be a musician, growing up, I mean, I, that's all I wanted to do growing up. If I could just be a musician, if I could just do something with music for a living, then I would, you know, that's that's who I am, and that's that's you know what I want to do and everything. And what we find, as any pastor, as you could probably tell from countless counseling situations, testify. that the false saviors always feel good for a moment, but ultimately disappoint. Yeah. You might have a day right after that surgery where you feel, this is it, I'm finally here. But over time, sooner or later, you're going to, you're going to find that it didn't deliver. And what the what that study is showing is saying that you know it didn't solve their issues. It didn't make them feel okay. It didn't deal with their depression. It didn't deal with their stress. It didn't deal with everything that they were dealing with that they thought was just this problem. Mm-hmm. And you know, so basically, this strategy is you know at work in all of us, but presents itself in all these different ways. And there is a reason. Um, that God tells you to pursue him and not all these things because ultimately he is the only savior that will not disappoint. Amen. And what the enemy is doing, part of this is that he, he basically just keeps us perpetually, as long as we are alive, chasing after false saviors and just constant, like he'll just switch gears. Once we get that, you know, once Bruce Jenner realizes this is not solving his problems, he'll probably be presented with another one. Or persuaded to suicide, but he'll probably be persuaded with, oh, well, what I'm missing, I didn't realize I was also missing this. And have some other big self-realization, and then the cycle continues. Because all these things ultimately cannot actually replace the real savior we were designed to look toward. And so... This goes back to this idea that, that what God has in mind for us when he tells us the way these genders work, when he tells us the way that we should consume food or alcohol or how we should pursue careers or different things like that, are not just arbitrary rules and just some abstract moral code that he decided was good. And 
you know, it's just not just a set of rules. This is actually good for us and all of it designed to push us to him, to the thing that will not disappoint, the thing that will actually fulfill us, the thing that we were designed to uh, receive and worship and glorify. Yeah, and glorify and be in communion of him. And so long story short, Bruce Jenner does have something terribly wrong with him. But the enemy is telling him the wrong thing. The problem is not gender. The problem is the heart. The problem is our heart and whether it is God's or not. And so this is, like I said, a very key way for us to process this whole issue is to understand that this is the spiritual warfare is not the real, the real spiritual war is not the legalization of homosexual marriage or the, or transgender issues and political spectrums and and public eyes, but the hearts of the people at stake. Bruce Jenner's heart is the primary thing at stake in the eternal world. Yeah. Not his physical attributes. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, great point. And like you were saying, kind of touching on what you were saying earlier, is that they will use anything. (laughs) They will, like you were saying, they they use this as a way to get, get you off track. I mean, they will use anything. Mm-hmm. To get you just kind of scrambling around and confused and half asleep and blind and everything, and then just present you with this false savior. Hey, this is going to save everything. And like I said, the cycle. And continues. I think I think one thing I hadn't thought this until you were sharing some of the things you were sharing, but one thing that should betray that to them, and I, and anyone who may listen to this that knows that that is struggling with those kinds of desires or knows someone who identifies, self-identifies as transgender or whatever the case may be, uh, you know, I would want to ask Bruce in a off-the-record conversation, you know, hey, if you know that you that you were a woman sort of trapped in a man's body or that you were supposed to be a woman or that this is really who you are or whatever, um, why is it if you're if you're just if you're wanting us to accept you for who you really are and you're trying to accept yourself for who you really are why are you trying to change and look like what you perceive a woman is supposed to look like mm. shouldn't the fact that that you don't look that way and you want to look that way tell you that you are actually a man the fact that you, you're wanting, you're trying actively to look like what you perceive a woman looks like and talks like and acts like, mm-hmm. and yet you were not naturally that way, would actually tell you you're not naturally a woman. You're naturally a man. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just the fact that you have to put so much effort into it betrays that. You're yeah, and there. and that you would and 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 this like, if you really believe that. Then just say you're, you could just say, you could just be, look exactly how you look, do exactly what you do. Just call yourself a woman. Why are you trying to get female genitalia, female appearance? If it's really about who you are on the inside, that you were actually this woman trapped in a man's body, just call yourself a woman. Why are you trying to look like a woman? That's a good point. And I would say the reason you're trying to look like a woman is because you know this is how you were born and with what parts you were born with is tells you if you're a male or a female. Hmm. And the fact that you're trying to change that 
betrays you to yourself that you're not actually a female. Hmm. And it doesn't matter what you do, you're still not a female, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I and that's where I would empathize and feel sorry for people who struggle with that because it it's got to be really hard. It's got to be lots of lonely nights. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of frustration and anger and doubt just in their own minds and their own hearts. Um and like you said, the the whole time their heart is a battlefield that the enemy is just dancing all over, having the having the greatest time of his life, destroying someone else's life, and and in this case being you know one of sexual identity or gender or whatever else. Yeah. And like I said before, that it could be a numerous things for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're all off the hook because, you know, because I accept the fact that I'm a dude. Um, yeah. I got my own when hangups. I, what I hope for, what I hope for in the church in general is to see more. God-given courage to admit these struggles. to Basically so that what is common, according to the Bible, is actually brought up and able to be dealt with and able to be loved and able to be um, shown that they're not alone. You know, that... Uh, like To give you an example, when I used to be addicted to uh, pornography, um, what I found was in a group of guys... If one of, like, basically they would, nobody would admit it. But if one of them did, then almost every other guy would be like, oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. And it's almost like a gift of love to someone else to be the first to say it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm not saying in every context you should share everything. But but when, you know, with guys you trust or with guys you, uh, you know, are familiar with and things like that, I do pray for more um, that the Spirit would grant bravery to some of these so that it can become uh an issue that the church can actually start to handle and deal with in a healthy way instead of just condemning everything all the time and never and just leaving these people sitting at night dealing with it thinking there's something wrong with them and has and the church offers no solution right no help yeah no reason well, the reality is there is something wrong with them there's right. something wrong with me. There's something right. wrong with you. Right. And and yet Jesus Christ is better. Mm-hmm. You know, the goodness and the sweetness of, of him and his fellowship uh, far surpasses and is far better than the depths of the struggle or the sin or whatever that we may go to on the other side. Yeah, and that the uh, the greatest um, sufferings that we might endure as as Christians are still um, far superior to the greatest uh, things that the world has to offer. The greatest solutions they can, because ultimately it, you, everything the world offers is empty. Superior we in joy. That's what you mean, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, not jokingly, but not there. In other words, our sufferings aren't greater. Just because we're oh, yeah. Christians, yeah, but yeah, they're yeah, superior yeah. in joy. Like even the joy that we have in those sufferings, the the way that Christ reveals himself to us, even that is better than the emptiness that the world offers, no matter how shiny it looks. Right, which illustrates how cruel the enemy is because it's like in reality, it's like we're in Christianity, even our greatest suffering is paying a penny to get a Porsche. 
you know, it's just a ridiculous deal. Amen. I mean, we are getting so much out of this deal. Yeah. Whereas the enemy takes from us everything and gives us nothing. Which actually, it's not, it's not even paying a penny. It's giving over our debt to buy a Porsche. It's true. <laughs> Here's my debt. Thank you, Lord, for this Porsche. Man, I wish I could get that deal for my <laughs> student debt. Man, I mean, if only there were some Christian dealerships <laughs> out there, you know? We need some. That's who I would vote for. Politicians <laughs> who have a policy where I give them my student debt and get a Porsche in return. Yeah. Or, that's who I'd vote for. Or get the rest of your degree. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, absolutely. Well, I think that uh, wraps up this episode of Holy Hand Grenade. Uh, if you have any questions or feedback or hate mail that you want to send our way, shove them. <laughs> we will block them immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but you can send. You can email us at holyhandgrenadepodcast at gmail dot com. You can also find us on Twitter at holy underscore h grenade backslash boom backslash rock your face off. Yeah, ignore all that. <laughs> <laughs> That part's coming. That's that's the expansion to the... Right. And then you can also find us on Facebook, either by searching like most people do, or if you really want to, you can type in facebook.com slash holyhandgrenadepodcast. And uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Boom. Yes, of course. And the Lord did win. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch.